it's my honor to um, uh, be able to do this tonight and uh, just thankful to be here. We're going to talk about uh, truth, and uh, we're living in uh, a tough time today. I don't know about you, but um, um, as you look around us, you can see that truth has been lost in our society. It's been lost in everything we're doing. And a scripture I'd like you to look at, and I know that if I, if I offend somebody tonight, uh, let the chips fall where they fall, but um, 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 we look at a lot of things why our nation is in the situation it's in, and people will say it's because of the Democrats, or they'll blame the Republicans, or they want to say it's the, the uh, homosexual agenda, or they want to say it's alcohol, and they want to say it's drugs, or well, there's a number of things. The list could go on and on and on, and it seems like it never ends. But the truth is, none of that's the problem. None of it. And I'm longing, I don't know about you guys, but I'm longing for a leader, okay? And I know there's only one that's going to be that leader that will come and the government will be upon his shoulders. But I'm longing for a leader that will do this. And if you'd open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 1, we're going to study Daniel chapter 4 tonight, and we're going to talk about truth. But in 1, Paul describes what the problem is in our country and in our lives in our families, in our churches today. And this is where it's at. Starting in verse 18, Apostle Paul wrote this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, now look at this verse, suppresses the truth. See, we're living in a time where people don't want the truth. We're living in a time where they don't want to hear it. And, and the main reason is because of their pride. And we're going to talk about pride also tonight. And then Pastor Steve will be talking about humility the following week. But the main thing we want to see here is the truth. He goes on to say, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And he begins to tell us that the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Now here's the key verse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies, among themselves, because they exchanged what? The truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. In those verses right there lays the whole problem of what's happening in our nation today. But it's also happening in our lives. And we're going to take about 10 minutes and look at these discussion questions. They may have a thing, but I want to go over them with you. First of all, let me ask you this question. How easy is it for you to allow someone to speak the truth into your life? I want you to know I'm so thankful for Pastor Bruce. I'm thankful for Butch Persley. Uh, my first experience was with Butch Persley. I didn't like him, okay? 
Uh, I love Butch personally. I'm so thankful for Pastor Butch. But he confronted me on something that I was out of line on. And I'm thinking, I don't know who this guy thinks he is, you know. He was right on. And I'm thankful that he was a, a godly man that would speak truth into my life and didn't just comfort it. And today, you know, I'm honored to serve with Pastor Butch personally. Uh, number two, how hard is it for you to speak the truth into someone else's life and to do it with love. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have my chance in front of some of the liberals so I could tell them the truth. But the problem is I don't think I would tell it to them in love. And I've said this before, if you've heard me preach before, they are not the enemy. They're the mission field. Do you understand that? They are the mission field. The lost out there is not the enemy. The transgenders and their movement is not our enemy. They are the mission field. The enemy is Satan, and we need to understand that. Now, how hard is it for you to be able to speak truth in someone's life? Paul told us to speak the truth in love. Number three, now this is a tough question, guys. Who is the one person who you'll allow to speak truth into your life? And I was going to write this down. Can you let your wife speak truth into your life? I don't know about you, but when my wife starts to tell me what I'm doing wrong, I want to tell her, submit, woman, you know. (laughs) Now, no one tell her I said that, okay? What says here stays here, okay? The scripture doesn't tell us as men to make our wives submit. It doesn't. You can study the scriptures. It doesn't. It tells wives to submit. Our job is to love our wives like Christ loved the church. That's our job, not to make our wives submit. And, and if you can make your wife submit, you'll have to teach me because that's a big task. And finally... Do you allow God's word to speak truth into your life? Um, One of the hardest things that I pray for Bruce and Butch and Pastor Steve and and Pastor Eric about, uh, when I pastored, I honestly thought that I could step into the pulpit with the word of God, open it up, and teach the word. And I really thought the people would be out there going, amen, yeah, it's not true. Matter of fact, tonight it's not true with some of you sitting here. As we go through this word tonight, you're going to be shaking your head. No, I don't agree with that. And the thing I'm going to ask you to do tonight, the word of God is a progressive revelation. And that means we're to allow it to speak out to us. Now, our problem, when we read the word of God, we put on our theological glasses and we read into it. The word of God speaks out. How hard is it for you to let the word of God speak truth in your life. So just take five or 10 minutes and discuss this with the, with the table around you. And then we'll start with Daniel chapter four. You should be wrapping it up here. So what we see in Romans chapter one is man's pride. And pride is one of the seven deadly sins. There's greed, there's wrath, there's envy, lust, gluttony. Um, I was going to leave that out because I knew we were going to be eating tonight, okay? And slothfulness, but I think pride is the most ugliest beast of them all. Um, And humility, which Pastor Steve will hit next week, leads to recognize the sovereignty of God. And I think in my life, I probably struggle with the sovereignty of God most. And that's what you'll see with Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if you remember in the weeks before, Nebuchadnezzar, 
you know, had a dream, as you guys all know this already, and, and he couldn't find anybody to interpret it. Finally, Daniel comes through, and he interprets it. And Daniel told him he was the, the head of gold, all right? And then the other nations were going to be the clay and all the other, the silver below it. Well, Nebuchadnezzar didn't like that because in the next chapter, we see his pride. He builds this statue of gold, okay? Because he didn't like God's plan. He didn't like what God had planned for the future. He liked being in control. And you'll find that out about people that are are control freaks. Uh, They like to have control. But the truth is, they're scared little boys. I've uh, counseled people who the husband was abusive, Okay, and I remember meeting one of the guys, the husband was very abusive, and when I met him, he came into my office, and he was crying like a little baby. And when you find someone who's abusive, the reason they're abusive, they only feel safe when they're in control. They're really scared to death. Okay, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar was. He was a control freak. So he made this golden image and said, everybody has to bow down or they die. Well, God had to show up on that scene and teach Nebuchadnezzar. And I was telling a brother this morning what I loved about this chapter or the chapters in Daniel. God is pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. He's chasing him. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad God keeps chasing me because I'm like Nebuchadnezzar. I can be stubborn. I can go my own way. So now here we are again in chapter four. And if you look at verse one, Nebuchadnezzar, and Bruce talked about the video this Sunday, but, which I hated, but um, this would be the greatest video of all time at Maranatha if Nebuchadnezzar could have been filmed and gave his testimony. And he's the only non-Hebrew that wrote anything in the Old Testament. But this is a pivotal chapter in this, a chapter in this book. It's his salvation experience. And he starts off saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all the people, nations, languages that dwell on the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. It seemed good for me to show you the wonders and signs that the most high God has done for me. Now, he's already spoiling the end of this story. This is his salvation story. And this is the stubborn guy that didn't want to believe there was another God. Okay, And he says, how great are his signs, how mighty is his wonders. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures for generation. Aren't you longing for a leader to stand up and speak like that today? Okay, That's our problem, is no one is looking to God. No one is saying, I can't do this without you. But it wasn't easy. Now, tonight we're going to look at this. There's an easy way to learn, and there's a hard way to learn. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard way. And some of us with pride in our life, it's, it's going to be hard for us to learn it. Okay? So in verse 4, he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, now look at these verses, was at ease in my house, prospering in my palace. Now this guy was a genius. He was a, he was a military genius. He conquered Assyria, which nobody said he could conquer. He took out Egypt. And he built Babylon, which was one of the seven wonders of the world. And, he, and he's rich and he's famous and the whole world knows him. He's sitting in his palace. He's at ease, okay? And all of a sudden he had a dream and look at this. He said, it made me afraid. We seem to think that money and fame will give us peace, but pride will bring nothing to us except anxiety and failure. 
As I lay in my bed, fancies and the vision on my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. We've heard this story before, right? Now, you'd think he would have learned, you know, instead of calling astrologers and all these other guys, you'd think he would have called Daniel first. But not Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to go the same route he's always gone. We do the same thing. We try to come out of a sin that's got a hold on us, or we try to fix relationships that might be broken, and we try to do it the same way. It's not working. It's, it's not working. And Nebuchadnezzar hasn't figured that out yet. So he brings them all before him, and he asks him, um, can you make known this dream to me and what it means? And again, just like previously, none of them could do it. So what we see in Nebuchadnezzar, the dream made him afraid. And dreams, uh, I don't really believe they're spiritual or something we should worry about, but they do reflect what our deepest thoughts and emotions are. And guys, most of our problems isn't the symptoms on top of the, the surface. It wasn't the tip of the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. See, it's what's below the surface. When I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the kids all the time, I need you to put down your walls. I need you to put off your, your, your facade. I need the real you, the person when no one else is around, when you're laying in your bed and, and you're crying out, thinking, why is all this going on in my life? That's the person I want to talk to tonight. And see, our problem isn't above the surface. It isn't our anger. It isn't all the other things we're dealing with. Our problem is what's below the surface. And Nebuchadnezzar had a pride problem, and he wouldn't admit it. He had a control problem, and, and, and he couldn't get anybody to come in the, the visions. And so his dreams were reflecting his deepest thoughts, and he wrestled through his emotions. And coming from an Italian family, we're emotional, okay? We can't watch football without getting excited. Amen, Bruce, right? Okay, we get emotional. Well, our emotions are not our enemies, okay? Now, they're not always real, but our emotions is telling us there's something wrong. It's like the check engine light on your car. Now, I can put a piece of black tape over that check engine light, but that doesn't fix the problem that's below the surface. And that's what's happening with Nebuchadnezzar. So he looks for counsel, and he looks in the wrong places. Now, in Psalms chapter 1, David told us, uh, blessed is the man that does what? Walks not in the counsel of what? The ungodly nor stands in the, the, uh, the, uh, the way of sinners or sits in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. And where does he meditate all day? In the law of the Lord. It's the word of God that we need. That's why it's so important for us to be in church and sitting under the truth of the word of God. We need to let our pastors speak the truth in their life because I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't take but a couple hours for me to get off track again. And if I'm not in this word or letting people speak the truth of it into my life, I'm going to go the wrong way. And so that's what Nebuchadnezzar struggles. with. So finally we see in verses 8 through 9, Daniel appears. It says, at the last, I love it, Daniel came before me in verse 8. And Nebuchadnezzar talks about his, the name that he gave him, Belshazzar, the name of my God. Now look at this. This is real important to see. In whom is the spirit of the holy gods? Remember that. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy 
God is in you. Listen, guys. We can't win anybody to Christ. You cannot separate the message from the messenger. And if this book and this word and God's spirit is not in you, if you're not letting the word of God, but you're pointing fingers at other people, they know if the spirit of God is in you. But there are, there's going to be times that you don't have to say a word. If you're walking the walk and people sense that, they're going to know the spirit of God is in you. And Daniel had a different spirit than the rest of those make-believe prophets. He had the spirit of the living God. And Nebuchadnezzar recognized it. So he says to him, um, I see in you that no mystery is too difficult for you to tell me the vision of my dream that I saw in the interpretation. The vision of my head as I lay in bed were these. And so if you read the, go down and read all the way down to verse 17, he explains it. And the vision he had, he saw this huge tree that reached the heavens. The branches went out to the whole world. Its leaves covered the whole world. The fruit of it fed the people. The animals were underneath of it. Okay, and, and it was amazing. But he said something happened. An angel appeared in the stream and told him, chop down the tree, leave the stump, put an iron band around it, which was protecting it, and let it be out in the field under the dew. Now look at verse 17. This is what the angel's decree was. The sentence is by the decree of the watcher, which is the angel, the decision by the word of the Holy One to the end that the living may know. Now remember in Romans, we read, for when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. This is the problem. That the living may know that the most high, now get ready, rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over its lowliest men. Now some of you are going to be mad at me at this next statement. The Democrats did not fix the election. Let that sink in. They didn't. God did. God, I know you're thinking, don't say that God put this man in charge. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You can read it right there. God sets up. He raises people up. Nebuchadnezzar didn't like this. I don't like that. I don't even like what I'm saying. I'm probably going to be mad at myself after saying that. Okay? The Democrats didn't fix it. God's in charge. And the reason is, America is not exalting God for who he is. We can't even mention him in the schools. We can't even talk about it anywhere. If you mention Jesus, you offend everybody. Why? Because Jesus is the only answer. There is no other way to heaven but through Christ Jesus, period. Amen. That's it. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And this is what the angel told him. And that bothered Nebuchadnezzar. He, it, could, it, just, it just drove him crazy. Nebuchadnezzar recognized that Daniel had the spirit of God. His dream quickly went to a nightmare, okay? And he recognized that his kingdom was falling apart. And for prideful people, that is the worst thing that could happen to them. When they lose control, they just go nuts. They end up going insane. And believe it or not, in your life right now, if there's insanity, it's probably because of pride. Probably you don't want to admit that you have this problem when someone has spoken into your heart. And it's his worst case scenario. And it scares him to death. Now, look at verses 19 through 27. This is where Daniel speaks the truth. 
Okay, in verse 19 through 23, Daniel says this. Now watch his approach. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, he was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not this dream of the, or interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, my Lord. He didn't say, not my president. He didn't say that. He said, my Lord. He respected who God had raised up. Didn't like him, but he respected him. And he said, may the dream be for those who hate you. And the interpretation for who? Your enemies. He was hoping that this dream wasn't for Nebuchadnezzar. And he goes on, explains to him, the tree you saw grew and became strong so that its top reached the heavens and it was visible to the end of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and which was food for the under which beasts of the field found shade and whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, this tree is you. O king, who have grown and became strong, your greatness has grown and reached to the heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw the watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with the, with the band of iron and bronze and tender grass of the field and let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the fields seven periods of times. Most um, commentaries I read said that means seven years, okay? This is the interpretation, king, it is the decree of the Most High which came upon my Lord the King that you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you. Now again, look at this verse. Till you know the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives to whom? He wills. Now Daniel entered a room. He spoke to him in verse 19 in love. But in verses 24 and 25, he doesn't hold back anything. He speaks the truth. He tells the whole thing. And see, that's what God's called us to do, brothers. He's not called us to um, try to be a, a place where um, we, we welcome, you know, we want to welcome everybody here. But our job is to preach truth. And I believe my whole heart. I tell this to Bruce all the time. Bruce will say to me, you know, God is just blessed in our church. I say, that's because you guys are preaching the word of God. We're blessed. We are blessed to be in this church where the word of God is preached in its context. It's not seeker friendly. We want seekers to find Christ. But we don't water down the gospel here. I'm thankful to be here. Daniel did the same thing. He gives him hope of deliverance. Look at verse 26. And as it was commanded to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time you know heaven rules. He's telling, he goes, look at, look at them. You don't have to go down. If you'll understand that you really had no control of being who you are. In Jeremiah, God said that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is my servant. I remember reading that and just going through Jeremiah, and I'm thinking, wow, God called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. 
It's God that raises up. But Nebuchadnezzar felt it was his kingdom. Therefore, king, let my counsel be acceptable. Now, what I love that Daniel does here in speaking the truth, he, he, he gives him what the sin is, but he shows him his steps out. He says, therefore, you know the heaven rules, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. He didn't beat him up. He just said, let it be acceptable. Receive this. He says, break off your sins. Not about you. There's time when the preachers are preaching and they'll talk about a certain sin. I'm like, I need steps. <laughs> give, give me a way out. Don't, I, I know I'm a sinner. I, I, amen. I'll come forward again if I need to. But I need to know how to win this battle. And that's exactly what Daniel does. He says, practice righteousness. And I love that he wrote the word practice. Okay, being a musician, I used to hate the word practice. Okay, my dad used to make me practice every night an hour before I could go out and play, and I hated it. And my mom used to sit in the other room and listen, and I'd be playing some rock and roll songs, but I wasn't doing my lesson. And so I'd play the whole hour goofing around, and I'd say, Mom, I'm done. She goes, uh, no, uh, the Beatles songs aren't your lesson. You, you need to be doing So I have to sit there another hour. But practice doesn't mean you're perfect, okay, and practicing righteousness is not something that we do with perfection. And for you guys that are in here that are perfectionists, you need to understand there's only one that's perfect, and it's God. But he's telling Nebuchadnezzar, you need to practice righteousness. It's something we learn to do. And your iniquities, by getting rid of them, by how? Showing mercy to who? The oppressed. That there may perhaps be a length of your prosperity. David gives him, I mean, Daniel gives him a plan. He shows him grace, and he shows him mercy. So Nebuchadnezzar was warned. A year goes by, and now it had to be eating him alive, you know. Um, when the Browns beat the Steelers, I can't wait to come in and tell Rogers Mall that the Browns won, you know. They, they can't get here fast enough, all right. But Nebuchadnezzar had a year, and look what happens in verse 28. All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar, and at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is this not the great Babylon? Now, can you imagine him looking out over the hanging gardens and looking at all that he built? He was a great architect. He designed all that. And the wall that was so thick that he knew no one could break in. As the river was flowing through the city, he looks at it, and he's getting ready to do it. I wonder if his wife was there going, don't do it, don't do it. And he goes, is this not the great Babylon? Now look at these words, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of what? My majesty. In verse 31, while the words were still in his mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of times shall pass over you until, here it is again, you know the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he wills. Immediately, it says that he went out, and for seven years, he was a madman. Now, most of us would have given up hope on him, okay? 
But God kept pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. I'm so, gr- I'm so glad for God's great grace. Aren't you glad that he didn't give up on you? Aren't you glad he hasn't given up on you? Uh, thank God I'm not God. I would have killed everybody and myself. Okay, I wouldn't have been patient. But God, he is long-suffering. Sometimes I think he's, I'm like, I remind him, Lord, you don't have to be this long-suffering. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Okay, but he's waiting. Why? He wants all to be saved. I'm glad they waited for me to get saved. I'm glad he didn't say, well, Rick's not coming. Let's, let's, let's go. He waited. He waited for you. He's waiting for some of you tonight. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar's out in the field. Now look at verses 34. At the end of the days, now this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking again. I lifted up my eyes where? Where did he look? He looked to heaven. He got his eyes off of who? Himself. He looked it up to heaven. Now look at this. My reason returned to me. If you look at that Romans chapter 1, it says that God gives him over to a worthless mind. I can't understand how some of the people are thinking today. That's because their eyes have been darkened. Unless a God opens up their eyes, they're not going to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And that's what happened here. Finally, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and God returned his reasoning. And look what he said. And I blessed who? The Most High. And I praised and honored him whose lives are forever. And then he sings a praise here. And at the very end of this chapter, verse 37, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven, for all the works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Because Daniel spoke the truth to him, Nebuchadnezzar got saved. Now, I'd like you to look at something with me. It's something I call the four windows. Andy, if you put up, uh, this is a blank space. There, you'll see those are four window panes. And the very first window I'd like you to look at with me is number one. It's, it's what I know about me. Okay? Uh, this window is where I hide my sins. It's where I hide my pride. It's an area that I don't let very few people know about. You know, um, they say there's two people that know you. The people that work with you which is true, and then your family. Everybody else's acquaintances. And there's very few people who can know you. And when you do this four-window thing, you have to find the right person that you can do this with. But the very first window is what I know about me, the things I've got hidden. The second window is what you and I know about me, okay? Uh, you might know I'm a Browns fan. You might know I'm a little taller than Bruce. Um, you might know... Um, um, uh, I, I play guitar, okay, and I can tell you things, okay? Now, the third window is the one I hate. I hate this window. It's what you know about me that I don't know about myself. It's what I call my blind spot, okay? And this is a scary window, all right? And again, you've got to have the right person in your life. One of the things I ask you, who can speak truth into your life that you trust? I've been blessed. God has given me some great godly men that spoke truth in my life and wasn't afraid to tell me, okay? And the fourth window is uh, what God knows about me. Now, the key to this is if you have the right person in your life, and I don't know what you're battling with, I don't know what sin you're struggling with, I don't know what emotions you're battling with, the problems with between you and your wife or your children or something that you're so afraid to share with somebody. 
The key is this. Whatever I'm hiding in that top left window, I have to have a brother in my life that I can bring it down into that window and let him know, hey, I'm struggling with this. And it's got to be someone like Daniel who would speak the truth, but he doesn't beat you up or he doesn't look down. Newt Larson used to always tell us um, as pastors, you're not preaching down to people. You're preaching over to them. It's eye to eye. We're all in this together. All of us are struggling. If someone tells you they're not struggling, they're lying. Or they're the only one that really got saved and the rest of us didn't. Okay? And I went to the altar 50 times. I know I got saved. Okay? So we have to bring what we're hiding in that top window down to this one. Now, this is the hard part. I have to be willing or humble, as Steve will touch on next week, to allow that person to show me my blind spots. They'll say to me, Rick, this is what's wrong. Okay? Now, that takes humility. Okay? I have to surrender to that. Uh, I don't like it when my wife tells me that. I want to tell her, let me tell you what's wrong with you, okay? And it doesn't go very well anyways, all right? So, but I have to let them speak into my life because that's where I can start to change, okay? But until people are willing to hear the truth, there's not going to be change. Now, here's the the final one is what God knows about me. Now, this is the one that no one knows but God. Look at this verse with me. It's... um, out of Psalms. Psalms 139, uh, David had said, where can I go from your presence? You know, if I, if I take the wings of the morning, if I go to the bottom of the sea, if I dig myself a grave, you're there. I can't run from you, God. And at the end of it, he prays this prayer. And I had a pastor one time ask me to pray this prayer with him. And he said, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. Oh, I didn't know what I was praying. David said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Now look at this next word. Try me. See, it's in trials that God reveals what's really wrong with us. I don't like trials. Okay. It reveals, do I really trust in his sovereignty? Do I really believe he's in control? Or am I in control? He says, try me, O Lord. Know my heart. See, I don't know my heart. I hear people say, follow your heart. Oh, man, don't follow your heart. It'll lead you in the wrong place. Try me to know my heart, know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way. I know I have ways in my heart that grieves God. I know it grieves him. And then he says this, lead me where? In the way of everlasting. Lord, help me to live for what's eternal, not not for my kingdom. And only God can do it. And brothers, I, I want to be honest with you, it's not easy. It's not easy to go through this. So I have five recovering steps to let truth speak into your heart. It's on the back of your page. The first one is recognize God is sovereign. He's in control. Most of you probably know, or some of you know, some of you don't know, I lost my son to suicide. And this is the hardest part for me. Because see, I always could fix the problems. I could always reach out to him and try to help him. 
But I have to trust in the sovereignty of God with his soul. I don't have all the answers of fixing it. I have to trust in God's sovereignty that he allowed this to happen. It caught us by surprise, but it didn't surprise God. And I don't know about you, but that's not easy to come to that conclusion that God is sovereign in that. But he is. He's in control of your children and their problems. He's in control of your family. He's in control of your future, which scared Nebuchadnezzar to death. It scares me to death. And I'll be honest with you guys, what's happening in our country, and I see what's coming. I have to trust that God's sovereign. I had to quit watching the news because I got too angry. I want to be in charge. It's not working. Do you recognize that God is sovereign in your life? That everything that happens, he allowed it. It's hard to believe sometimes, but it's the truth. Second thing, give God glory for the abilities and the opportunities. I have a real good friend of mine. He was a successful businessman. Whatever he put his hands to, it made money. I mean, I just watched him do things, and he just, it was like making money was easy for him. Okay? And I remember, I'd always say to him, man, you, you, really, you really did a great job here. And he would say to me, oh, Rick, it, it's the opportunities that God gave me. Why do we think that when we do something great, it's us? Okay? Why do we think when, when we make money or we, or we have a great business, it's us? It's, none of us has got anything in this life if God wouldn't have given us the opportunities. It's all him. And you need to recognize that all glory goes to him. Any gifting you have, any ability you have, it wasn't because you were a genius. It wasn't because you were special. It's because God gifted you with it. Now, my question to you today is what are you doing with those gifts? We have the body of Christ here, and, and we, the body of Christ is not just the head. We need arms and hands and feet, and God has given you a gift that only you can do. And brothers, I really want to challenge you tonight that it's time to step out of the, the chairs. It's time to say, hey, where can I serve at? Lord, where do you want me? Pastor Eric told me this yesterday. He said, we all want to be called a servant, but none of us want to be treated as a servant. When's the last time you thank God for the abilities and the opportunities he's given you? Number three, direct the gifts that God has given you for what? The good of others. Your giftings, your abilities isn't for you. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's problem was. He thought it was all about him, that golden image. This is who it's about. It's not about us. Paul asked this question, you know, they were arguing in Corinthians about Paul and Apollos. Who's the greatest? He says, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? He said, nothing. You guys know what nothing is? It's a zero without the rim. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to. And then Paul goes on in Romans chapter 12 and says, if you got a gift given to you, it's because God gave it to you. It wasn't because you were this fantastic guy or the smartest guy in the class. It's because the God gave it. And God wants you to direct those gifts for what? The furthering of the kingdom. Finally, or number four, this is from Peter. Peter learned the hard way. Remember, Jesus told all the disciples, you're all going to abandon me. And what did Peter say to him? I'm not. As a matter of fact, Lord, I'm going to stand right next to you. 
Peter denied Christ to a little girl at a fire. He said, I don't know him, okay? Peter wrote this in First Peter 5. Humble yourself where? Under the mighty hand of God. See, either we have to humble ourselves or he will humble us. And finally, let the truth of God's word speak into your heart. Tonight in ending, I don't know what you guys are struggling with, and I'd like everybody to bow their heads. And I just want to be honest with you. I, I don't want to play Billy Graham or, or act like this is a, if God doesn't move, God doesn't move. I can't make him move. But I got a feeling there's some of you in this place. Number one, that you don't know Jesus Christ. You've been arguing with him about the truth. If you're here tonight with everybody's head bowed, no, nobody looking around, please. Okay. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, and I want to again tell you this, there's only one way to heaven. You can't earn it. You have to accept Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those that are bankrupt. Blessed are they that mourn, who realize they're dead. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for what? A righteousness that they can't obtain. And if tonight you're sitting here and you know you've been fighting for the truth in your life and you've never really surrendered to Christ and you know you need to surrender tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at. Don't be afraid. Jesus loves you. If that's you here tonight, please don't be afraid. Number two, I know there's a lot of us in this place, including myself, we're struggling with sins that we're hiding in that window that we don't want anybody to know about. You're scared to death that if someone finds out, they're going to hate you. Well, brother, the Bible says there's none that seeks after God. There's none that doeth righteous. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us if we confess our sins to the Lord and one to another, It'll help us. And if tonight you're struggling with something, okay, I'd like you to raise your hand. And you need help. Say, all right, thank you, thanks. I need help. The Lord sees your guys' hands. You can put them down. I'm going to pray the prayer. You don't have to fight this. The battle is the Lord's. And I know the battle is when I sin or when I got to struggle in my life, I'm ashamed to come into the Lord. I'm ashamed to come to him. I'm afraid to prayer. I'm afraid to open up the word of God. The truth is, Jesus says, come. He told us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because of the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. You no longer have to be ashamed. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands tonight. I pray that uh, you would give them the hope and the encouragement that Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar. If you practice this and you do this and you be honest with God and you confess your sin and you keep running to God, that, Lord, that they would see that you've got your arms wide open, that you're not against them, but that you're for them. Lord, if they're struggling with trust, I pray that they would understand that you're sovereign. And, Lord, I pray that we all would surrender our life to you for your glory and for your praise and that others would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ for who he really is. Thank you for your word, Lord. It changes our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to speak to someone tonight,
Okay, if you are here and you're not saved or you're not sure, Bruce and Eric and Steve is back there. You can speak to me or find a brother. But if you're struggling with something, please see them. And thanks for allowing me to break the word of God with you tonight. Uh, Good night and Maranatha.